This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, West Coast style. I've been in LA for a few days and I am thrilled to be back with the one and only BJ Armstrong in the office. He's adjusting his microphone. Kareem over his left shoulder. <laughs> Sky Wilt, hook. <laughs> Wilt over his right. Oh. Russell towards the back. I think I've told you this, but the vibe of your office, it really, uh, it's really perfect. MJ statue over my right shoulder. Before we start, though, I'm rushing through breakfast. Been out here for. It's not the LA way. I want to tell you. I, I, no one rushes. No out one here. rushes through breakfast. I, I do the I do the thirty eight minute breakfast, not the two and a half hour breakfast. <laughs> Girlfriend's birthday, some showtime work. Schedule worked out perfectly today. I get in the Uber to come over here. I get out a block early. I'm getting out of the car, and all of a sudden, over my shoulder, there is a spry, determined B.J. Armstrong running on Wilshire Boulevard. You look like you were running either from something or to something. I'm running to something. I got to get my I got to get my workout in, Eric, every single day. Just running the street. The gym is uh, I'm very lucky that the gym that I work out in is a uh, literally a block away from the office, and uh, I got to get my time. I got to get my slot. You know, um, working out is part of my. That's my routine. That's what I do. Right, you, you know, look like you were in an action movie scene. I'm in a, I'm in a, I have no excuses. We do the podcast. I knew you were coming. You had just texted me, and I wanted to be on time, as best I could, and uh, make sure I'm committed. You were always on to, time. Uh, you were always to my on workout. Time. You know, You're that's my that's time. my lifestyle. You're always on time. You're always on time. I know how much you love the good two hour LA breakfast. Oh, I know how much you love vodka. Why else would you work out? So I can have those two-hour <laughs> breakfast, those breakfast, uh, those breakfast meetings. So I can't believe it, and and I think it's because, you know, we talk about work and career often, and I just can't believe the calendar right now. Like I cannot believe it's March. I cannot believe we're staring at that runway to get us to the NBA postseason. Um, you know, before you pop back in the room, Mike and I were kind of looking at, you know, if the playoffs started today scenarios. But uh, the fact that we're in the first week of March and, and I know how much nostalgia that we both have around the NCAA tournament and college basketball. And we'll, we'll get into that later in the month. But the fact that we are so close to the playoffs right now and we have these really exciting storylines from all over the league, whether they're player driven, team driven, um team trying to surpass team in the standings there, there, there's a lot to dig into and last week 
uh, aside from talking about the um, emergence of Jason Tatum, we were also talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, and we were talking about their potential quest for 70 wins. So while we talked about 70 already, what I want to talk about is what's immediately immediately in front of them. Because um, and and before we get to that, let me ask you this. You're an Eastern Conference team, whether you're Philadelphia, Miami, Boston, Toronto, or you're uh, a team in the top half of the West. Do you fear Giannis or do you fear the Bucks? Which is it? Most teams fearing the player and the star power or are they fearing the team that's built around him? Well, you know, clearly when you watch the Bucks play, and just get right to answering your question, I fear the Bucks. But in saying that, the reason that the Bucks are so good as a team, because their their best player, Giannis, has done what great players all strive to do, which is to implement their individual talent into the framework of the team. Giannis is continuing to grow. He's putting different elements in his game. You see now that he, even though it may not be consistent, He's extending his game farther and farther away from the basket. The scary part about him, he is an MVP, and he's continuing to add other parts to his game. He's continuing to develop, and he's continuing to get better and better. I think he's better this year than he was a year ago. For sure. And that's the scary part about it. Now, they have a good team, and they have a team that clearly complements what he does, and he complements what what they do, right? And he has Brooke Lopez, who is the perfect complimentary player to him as a five-man. He has Middleton. He has all of these players. And let's give Coach Bud credit for the way they play, the style that they play. They emphasize what Giannis does well, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team that works for them. And so I, I, I like their team because everyone understands their position and their roles within the group. And I think this team now, I think they're composed to go into the playoffs. I don't think they will be celebrating with the first win, a second win, a second round win. Clearly, I think if they get to the conference finals, they won't be celebrating. There's only one thing for them to celebrate, only one, and that's so, going to the finals. And I, and I like their professionalism is how they're focused for the season. They're having fun, but when they get in between the lines, they play. And their very best player has taken on the responsibility of greatness. He finds a way every single night to con- to make a contribution to the game, even though when he doesn't play well, which is not often. Yeah. They make adjustments, and uh, I like their professionalism. So if you just think this team is built around Giannis, well, it's not because Giannis doesn't have to score 35 points every night to win because he can contribute in so many other ways. And uh, this team is clearly – they have a good group coming off the bench. They're well coached, and uh, I, I like what they, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. So I, I wanted to start there because this week we're recording this on Wednesday. Tonight they face the Pacers. Then they're at the Lakers Friday, at Phoenix Sunday, at Denver next Monday, mm-hmm. and then back home versus the Celtics Thursday. So that's the number one and number three in the West, and the number two, well the. The Celtics could be two, but two, three in the East right. in a seven-day span. So do you think Milwaukee's saying to themselves, 
we we're continuing to get better towards the goal, but we want to send some messages here that we are the best team in the NBA. Well, here, here's a message if you're going to be a champion, right? You have to find a way to win four out of seven games. There are no messages. When you are the teams they're playing, the Lakers, the Lakers lose game one. No one's pushing the panic button. Sure. Boston, okay. Those games really don't – they mean something, but they don't really mean anything because right now what you want to do if you're Milwaukee is you want to make sure that you have a few tricks up your sleeve before you head into the playoffs. You know, I'm not going to show you the full menu right now. Sure. Right? But what I am going to do is I'm going to play the game the right way, and I'm going to provide the effort and energy – for every game to give myself a chance to win those games. Now, game two, game three, I can make the proper adjustments in a series that I'll know that'll tip the scale one way or another. And that's it's, what Coach Bud. It's so it's so different. This, this when you're team, four out of seven versus going through the flow of the regular season schedule. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, what's a measuring stick game? The measuring and, stick, and, and then what's just okay? We had a good one tonight. Here, here's Time the to measuring the stick. Move on. Here's the measuring stick right now for them. Is you come out and you play with the effort and energy necessary to win the game. Because right now, they have a player that everyone else in the league is going to have to adjust to, Giannis. Okay, they have perhaps the greatest X factor right now in the league. Now, there's only been one player that has beat him in the playoffs, and that's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has proven to me that he is the best player in the postseason right now. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave everything in the regular season and have nothing up your sleeve when the postseason starts because the postseason is all about making adjustments. And I want, and, and if I'm them, I want to make the proper adjustments to win a game because you know one game, one quarter could be the tipping scale oh, yeah. in a series. Sure. And right now... You know, whether they win this game against the Celtics right now, Marcus Smart and company, they're not putting a lot of <laughs> at, no, at this point, right? No. It goes on the list of things to look at the Lakers, if you're matched up. I think of anything, I think of anything going against the game against the Lakers, for instance. Yeah. It's important for the Lakers to win that game. Big time. I I think it's important for the Lakers to win that game because so those are bigger games for, for L.A. and for I think Denver and yes. for Boston Absolutely. than they are for Milwaukee. Absolutely. The pressure is on the Lakers to win that game. You know, Denver just lost. A, they had a bad loss the other night to, uh, I think, the Golden State Warriors. Okay? I think it's important for Denver not to get on this yo-yo. Right. You know, they get up for the games they have to get up, and then they lose the games that they probably should win. Right. That's, to me, that, that's the worst. If you're a good team, if you're a good team, you got to be good every single night because this league has really good players in it. And I think it's very important for these teams as you head down the stretch to be playing consistent basketball and respect all your opponents. So I think it's important for Denver to win that game. I think it's important for L.A. to win that game. But for Milwaukee, yeah, it's great if they win. But for them to say, when you do see us, you know the type of effort and energy you got to bring to beat us. Like, when they lost the other night to uh, when Milwaukee lost the other night to Miami, I was okay with that with that loss because Miami played great. Miami played terrific basketball. They had a great game plan. They were executing. They were flying around. Clearly, they had 
you know, they had structure to what they were doing. And they caught Milwaukee on a back-to-back. Now, can you do that four times in a series? I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know is it takes a tremendous effort to beat them. And I'm okay with that. When a team is, when they execute, they make shots, you deserve the pat on the back. But believe me when I say this, Milwaukee is the team that can make adjustments. They can play small. They can play big. They can defend. Oh, and, they can and, shoot threes. And different iterations. Of oh, each yeah. Of those lines. Yeah. And, and, and they have a very, they have a, they have a team that can make adjustments on the fly. Which to me is a sign of a great team. So I'm okay with that loss against Miami. I know people were making a big deal about it, but when a team beats me with that type of effort and energy, I'm okay with that. Sure. And and Miami uh, has actually beaten them twice this season. Once yeah. was very early on, and uh, the discussion now is, you know, is Miami the team that can push Milwaukee the furthest? Is Toronto? Is Boston? And you know, before you answer, Giannis has been in the playoffs. Four times. Right. Last year was the first time he advanced and got out of the first round. And, you know, aside from uh, last year's uh, huge swing and loss to Toronto, you know, just being this, 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 this burn that he's been feeling that's been driving him, I just think his evolution and growth as a player and a leader is all lining up them to go deep deep into the spring so i'll ask you this toronto boston miami all three of those teams are still figuring out who they want to be come third week of april right now in your mind which of those three is best equipped to push the bucks the furthest When you look at on paper just talent, you don't take a big sigh like that off. Well, you know, because you're looking at three teams in the sense, even though Toronto won the championship last year, this is a new group. And when you have a new group, you know, what you did last year, the year before really doesn't matter. You know, um, there are a lot of questions I have with Toronto because you don't lose Kawhi Leonard and then suddenly expect to win a championship. I didn't expect them to play this well this year. And suddenly they are. I mean, so. So you have to respect them. Um, the Celtics, I love their talent. You see Jason Tatum making a step. You see him moving in the right direction. And then suddenly now they have some injuries and some things going down the stretch with Kemba Walker. You don't know, really know what to think there. You know, I, I like their talent. I like what their young guys are doing. But at the same time, Kemba Walker is going to be a big part. And his health has to be. And his, if his health fails, what are you going to say? They're very top-heavy on the roster, right. which we found out from the collapse Tuesday night against Brooklyn. And But Kemba, Gordon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice is playing very good minutes. We know what Ennis Cantor brings to the table. After that, it's, okay, let's hope Wanamaker gives us good minutes. Let's hope that Grant Williams right. figures out how to contribute. And even, it doesn't even guarantee that the top guys are going to play well. Sure. You know? So, But I like their team. Yep. And then let's get to Miami. Um, you know, they're adding depth. They've added, you know, some guys who... Jay Crowder looks like he's been Crowder, a long time. Andre Godala. This guy is battle-tested. He's a proven vet. They have young players. They have Jimmy Butler. Bam. But again, you're looking at him going, you know, were they even in the play? I don't even think they were in the playoffs last year, right? They weren't, you know... 
So now you're looking at them going, yeah, they've shown some things here and there, but then they lose two or three in a row and they're young players. If I had to pick one team, I, I always like to pick the talent. I'm just going to pick the Celtics. I like the Celtics. I like, the, I like their youth. I like what they do. I don't know if they have the depth because you got to get contributions from people that you don't really count on mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Um, and I, so, but I always pick talent. And this kid, Jason Tatum, is playing spectacular basketball down the stretch. And if there was one team I would say that could challenge them, it would be the, the Celtics. But I wouldn't be surprised. Look, Toronto, I watch them and I go, wow, this team, you know, this kid Siakam and Van Fleet, I'm not betting against those guys. No, they <laughs> okay. Raising their they game. keep winning and keep this train moving. And by the way, how good is Serge Ibaka still? I think he got better. Sir, I think he well, better. Serge moving to the bench was like found gold for them. Yeah. Because he now he's he can overwhelm you, especially the guys coming off the bench with his athleticism athleticism. He's he's comfortable and he knows his values to the team. So he just gives them incredible minutes as a big off the bench. And not many teams have an, a big that athletic that can match yeah. what he does and, and brings to the court. And with Gasol out, he starts and you could play him at Four in a large lineup. You play him at five five with Siakam at the four, for sure. So the other team that, um, you know, all joking aside about fan bases and rivalries and stuff, but the Sixers have not had the season we thought they were going to have. So (laughs) Embiid and Simmons have to be healthy for them to think about competing with anybody in a playoff series. But do you feel like, they have the makeup and there's enough time for them to figure out how to give someone hell early on in the playoffs, or is this going to be a season that's just an ultimate failure for Philly? And they got to I, I do not. From I, 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 you know, I watched them play uh, last night. You know, I've watched them play against the Clippers out here and watched them play against the Lakers last night, and, and they lost both games. You know, they play hard. You know, you can see that – you know, that they're trying, they play hard, their guys are playing hard. But for some, for some reason, the chemistry of the team just doesn't fit. You know, when you watch Al Horford, he just looks like he doesn't fit there. And he's a really good player. Um, you know, watching Tobias Harris and I'm watching their veterans who they're going to, they, they, they have to depend on these players, right? Because of their, you know, their experience. It just doesn't fit. You know, something's going on where, you know, you, you see the talent with Joel Embiid, and as soon as he's ready to to take the next step, something happens, an injury or what have you. Same with Ben Simmons. So for whatever reason, it's been one of those years for them. And um, and when I look at the group that they've assembled, you know, in particular Tobias Harris, Al Horford, uh, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons, they're all really good players in their – in their own right, but for whatever reason, it's not working for them as a cohesive group. And I think you've seen their up and down play. I mean, they went at home and then their record on the road is, you know, they probably won 10 or 11 games this year on the road and it's just not working for them. It's like, it would be pretty funny. Not that this is going to happen, but like, you know, someone sits down without Horford. He says, look at what you had. Look at where you chose to go. And yeah, money is a driving factor. But 
do you regret this decision despite what your bank account says? And you know what happens to players once they get into their early to mid-30s and what they're driven by, especially a guy that was so close to the finals a couple of times and never there. I just I, I'm forget the fact that I've been a Celtics fan since I'm a kid. I couldn't understand at the crack of free agency beginning. He's going and making that move right away without yeah. knowing what else is going to happen. And now to see Philadelphia in this situation where I agree with you, those parts don't necessarily fit very well at first glance, but there's so much skill. There's so much versatility. We know the kind of scorer that Tobias Harris could be. Um, as much of a hard time as they've had because of the standings, they're going to be locked in at five or six, depending right. on how them and Indiana play. So someone's going to have to play against them. And Brett Brown is a very capable head coach. And if he has them programmed to think, guys, everyone's written us off. We've got nothing to lose. Let's go out here together and see if we can shock the world. That can make for a very interesting storyline in the playoffs in April. But we're, we're still six, seven yeah, weeks away from that. But it, that's it, it that's what's on my mind with, with yeah, them it could right look. now. With all four of those guys on the floor, you're still looking and going, okay, that right. team and probably, Josh Richardson. Yeah, that team has probably underperformed. Okay. Big time. Guess what the so, road record is? What is their what nine is, and twenty-three? Yeah, that's that's a there. lottery road record. So but you still see the talent. And in the end, you know, you have to respect the talent. Okay. Mm-hmm. This team is very capable. I will say this, you know, I learned this from Cliff Livingston, who I played with many years ago. You know, we, we look Uncle, at players. Uncle Cliff. <laughs> You know, good news. That's what we call them, good news, you know, because um, Cliff Livingston had a very unique skill set. And when he came to us uh, in Chicago from the Chicago, from uh, the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, right? from the Atlanta Hawks, they, you know, back then they would put you at a position, right? And they put Cliff, he's only about six, 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 seven tops. They put him at the small forward position and he really struggled for us, for us during his transition from coming from Atlanta to the Bulls because we put him in a position where even though his size, he was the right size, that just wasn't his position. And that was the first time that I saw a player who played as an undersized player. That's a talent. There's some players who play better as an undersized player. Mm -hmm. We put Cliff Livingston at the four in the playoffs. He was one of our top – he was in our top six or seven guys. In 91, in the 91, first year. 90, whatever, whatever, yeah. 91 or whenever he came. Because he knew how to play as an undersized player, as a power forward. He but was a, he, he was a banger. Yeah, it's, it's like some guys know how to play undersized. Like watching Draymond Green, he is much more effective as an undersized player than he is at probably his natural position. That's, I'm just guessing now to probably why he went in the second round because everyone probably thought he was a natural three. He gets to the NBA. He starts off as a three. He's coming off the bench. They move him to the four, and then he starts playing the five, and then he's like, yep. some players have a skill set. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I've always said this about Al Horford. He's always been an all-star as an undersized five. He's mastered the art of playing undersized basketball. So people will say, well, it's a big deal. Four or five, they're interchangeable. 
there is a big deal because Al Horford as a five, he can utilize his speed and quickness. Yep. As a four, he's just average. And because of his range, he's dragging yeah, he, the, the other teams five out of the paint. So creating Al, all Horford, Al Horford as a four is a much different player than Al Horford as a five. He has always been an all-star. You go back from Atlanta, you go back when he, he at the Celtics, he's always been an all-star as an undersized five man. As a five man, he is your team is quick. As a four man, Anthony Davis has a, a, a decided advantage with him. Him playing against, you know, the fives, you know, whether that's JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, they can counter each other because we don't really just pound the ball inside anymore. Now Al suddenly may have an advantage, you know, depending on how the game is played out. I think Tobias Harris, when I watched him play out here for the Clippers, yep, he was a four. Yep. <laughs> this is what I no, see. No, you're you're spot on, and I'm smiling because it's like, okay, who didn't initiate the conversation? The Sixers or Horford? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what what did you not discuss? Because so, Al Horford was so important to the Celtics because of the reasons you were just giving, and was literally a playmaking point five at many times. Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, when he came into the league, he was a four. Yes. At the end, he was a five. So as his game slowed down, he just moved to a different yeah, position. That happened with KG too. And he hated Bingo. it, but it happened Bingo. and it worked. And that's what's happening here. So again, what I see with the I don't think the player's skill has declined. I just think they're playing out of position. Well, the, the game's changed. changed. The yes. styles changed. Positionless basketball. Right. Brad Stevens is one of the guys that says, okay, it's not five positions anymore. It's three. It's bigs, it's wings, it's ball handlers. And Horford fit perfectly into that. But to call out Tobias being Tobias out of a, position and, and Al being out, out of position, position and your point guard can't shoot. Now it's just it's, yeah. it's just the chemistry. Yeah. It's just the chemistry of what what is going on. And when you look at the game today, the game today is dictated by speed and quickness, right? You have to – play the game and when you don't have the players who have an advantage or can play at that pace then this is what you see they now the game is going to slow down in the playoffs and maybe it's a different game but al is a very physical player as a five right tobias harris is one of those players who He's learned how to play as an undersized player. I mean, he's a bucket getter. Yeah, he and can they're play. they're not putting it, him in enough easy positions to get buckets. That, that's what he does. Yeah. So that's what I see when I see their team. And it will be nice for them to have someone who can get them organized, right? They, yeah. I still will contend, as we, we spoke earlier, as much as I you know, respect Ben Simmons' talent and his versatility and all those things, you still have to have someone who can organize you because that team is too talented not to win on the road. That's the first thing you look at. They're great at home. They play with the energy and you, you know, you play, you, you feed off the crowd at home, but then you go on the road and when they don't have the ability to organize themselves, which comes down to basically your lead guard or your, your best player having the ability to control, you know, the tempo, um, they're going to have to find a way to do that if they're going to be successful in the playoffs. 28 and two at home. That's, Nine and twenty-three. I, I, I don't. I, just, I don't remember. I don't know if there's ever been that big of a discrepancy true, before. Yeah, I mean, when you I look really at don't. it, they, they, they have the talent. 
clearly. But when you go on the road, you got to play a different way. Yeah. And right now, the one thing I see with them is they can't dictate tempo. Yeah. They can't control time and score. And when the game gets away from them, you most times you revert back to who you are. And they're all athletic in their own right. But it's not the right spacing. It's literally like watching a bad AAU team. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just not a good fit. It's not a good fit. And I, you know, they're trying to figure it out. I think Al's gone to the bench. Yep. And they're they're trying to figure it out. But uh, you know, in saying all of that, though, I still wouldn't want to play them. No, <laughs> because they no. they have really you know, capable players. And, and the Celtics falling asleep at home in a game that was wrapped up against Brooklyn Tuesday night. That could cost them in the standings where the Raptors and the Celtics both want that two seed to avoid Philly or Indiana in the first round because the drop off, as we know, to a uh, a Brooklyn team that's experienced a lot of injuries and, and is playing a, a bit shorthanded this season, the drop off to Brooklyn and Orlando in that first round is huge. Right. So uh, a, a lot to be figured out there. So speaking of highly skilled guys who you wonder what position they're going to end up at, Going to the Western Conference. Kristaps Porzingis took 20 months to recover from the ACL tear. And we've talked about this theme a lot on our show in terms of guys needing a certain amount of time to recover and then get back on the floor to get back to themselves. So he has played up until today, March 4th. He's played in 47 of 62 games this season. And in his last 11 games, He's averaged 27 points, 11 rebounds, and four threes made uh, per game, which is just unbelievable. So we've seen the return of Kristaps, and we know he can be your starting four-man. We know he can play the five. Uh, My question is, now that he's gotten back to this level, Dallas is going to be in the playoffs. We're not sure what seed yet, but um, are he and Luka – a one-two combo that um, could push a high seed and potentially steal a first-round series because of how talented and dangerous they are? No, I, I'm, I'm not ready to say that. I'm not ready to say that yet. And and before I answer that question, I, I want to to all the Warrior fans that are listening. When you have an injury like Porzingis has, a significant injury like an ACL, it takes normally three years to return back to consistently playing well. What you're seeing with Porzingis now is in year two, right? What is it, 20 months? Is that what you said? 20 months. Okay. In year two, he's showing signs, right? The last 11 games, you're seeing a glimpse. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, that's the thing with the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson is not going to come back in year one and be the Clay Thompson that we think. It's going to take him about three years to get back to where we can say he's back and he's playing and he's got a feel for his body, what have you. And the reason I'm saying that with Porzingis is we have to remember Porzingis hasn't been in the playoffs. Luca hasn't been in the playoffs. And as you watch their team, they're a little ahead of schedule. Yes. They're a little ahead of schedule. Yes. Okay. If if Mark Cuban was here, and, and that's why I love Mark is a straight shooter. I don't think Mark expected Luca to be this player this quickly. 
Did they think he was going to be this yes. player at some point? Did they think he was going to be this player in year the two? The year two leap is astounding. No. Okay. Porzingis, anytime you have those type of injuries, it takes time, right? You don't just come back and start playing at that level. The thing that I love about Porzingis right now is that he's showing you glimpses here and there. He's beginning. And now, not only is he showing you glimpses, he may give you a quarter, a half year. Now he's putting together back-to-back games. Now he's put together a stretch. Now, in year two, is what you always encourage these players to do, is try to catch a rhythm. Mm-hmm. He's catching his rhythm right now. Next year is where you're going to see Porzingis really thrive because this is going to be the first summer in a law in two years that he's actually not rehabilitating. He's working on his game. He's working on his game. So this would be a great learning curve for them. And this is what I love about what the Dallas Mavericks are doing. They're playing meaningful games with young players. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about the Memphis Grizzlies right now. New Orleans Pelicans, they're not just playing games because they're worried not, about a not, draft pick. Not just playing out the string. They're playing meaningful games. And when you are a young player and you play meaningful games early, it makes an impact on you. Because now you understand what 82 games means other than when a team or your coach and your organization is just playing you, just playing out the string. So for Luca and these guys and Porzingis for these guys to be playing this late in the season, where they're playing for a playoff seed, looking at the looking at the standings every single day, I think is fantastic for Dallas. Fantastic. I'm sure Mark Cuban and 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 the coaching staff there they're thrilled with where they're at. Do they expect to win right now? I don't think so because you don't know how these guys are going to respond. Sure, you don't know how Porzingis is going to respond. You don't know how Luca is going to respond, right? But what we do know is they're going to we're going to throw them in the, in the ocean, and they got to make a choice, you know? And, and like they always told me in Detroit, if they throw you in the water, you better make waves. <laughs> sink or swim. <laughs> you better sink or swim. Sink so swim. we're going to find out. But bravo to them. Bravo to Porzingis. And I think he's right on schedule medically what we know about this league, right? You know, there's a lot of things. Guys are coming back and all the certain. No, it takes about three years. And that's what I want to be cautious to the Golden State Warriors, he's not going to come back in year one. We would like to think that. He needs a couple years to play through this, figure out his body, be patient with it. I mean, you're you're hoping by second half of next season you're seeing Clay consistently getting better and in rhythm. But listen, he's he's a much better athlete than he gets credit for. Who's this? Clay Thompson. Very strong, always in shape, but doesn't kill you with the spectacular. It's the craft, the skill set, and the consistency. So it'll be interesting to see how his his body responds and what, if anything, is a block mentally to what he can and can't well, do. Well, let, let me tell you. Let me, let, let me give you a block that, first of all, when your game is predicated on speed and quickness, okay, every guard that plays in that league, okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to get overwhelmed by speed and quickness in this league. That's the one thing that you can't duplicate 
That's the one thing you can't practice. You can't practice being quick. Either you have it or you don't. I always tried. You I, are, nev- I never you could. could. You could do all the drills you want. I said I'm going to do this quickly. When you saw Allen Iverson, when I saw Allen Iverson for the first time, oh my God. that you, was. Do you remember where you were? Oh, I remember. I was backpedaling, and, I, and this guy was coming twice the speed that I ever seen a player come. Okay. Did you say "oh shit" out loud or just to yourself? Well, I I, I didn't know what I was seeing. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw something that had a three on it, right? <laughs> you know. And as he went to lay it up, I was like, "My goodness, this is something a little different." When when you are rehabbing from an injury like that, your speed and quickness, because your equilibrium, your your balance is off. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no drills that's going to that's going to prepare him for the quickness that he's going to see on an NBA court. Clay Thompson's greatest value was his versatility in guarding James Harden, in guarding and, and that was going to be my next question for you. How much of how much of what he has to get back is going to be on the defensive end? That's his value. That listen. We always say, oh, he shoots the ball and he doesn't do this. No. His value is that he is a contributor to winning basketball. He guards the other team's best perimeter player every single night. But now, and this isn't going to rush his progress, Andrew Wiggins can be that guy. You hope. I'm not hoping because you don't just throw people out there and say, you got Damian Lillard in one series and then you got James Harden in another series and then you got LeBron James in the NBA finals and then you got Russell Westbrook and then you got to guard Kevin Durant when he was with Oklahoma no that's just you can hope Clay Thompson is a unique player because he's strong he's athletic he has great footwork he has the discipline okay he is a unique player because of what he brings that's very unique to him and him only. Now, you go, well, Andrew Wiggins could do that. Yeah, there's a lot of people who could do a lot of different things. Yeah. But Klay Thompson did it. Proven. And, and, I, and I'm not putting that type of pressure on Wiggins. Let him be who he is. But this kid, Klay Thompson, he guards Derrick Rose. He guards De'Aaron Fox. He guards the fastest guys in this league consistently, night in and night out, and he has the ability to still score on the other end. Now, I don't know what type of rehab that you can duplicate that in, and when he, if he does have it, let me in on the secret. <laughs> That's the secret sauce, my friend, because those players and the moves that they're doing, I didn't even get to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, He's got to guard the very the best guy. of the, the best. Guy. He's been the guy. And he, 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 that's not fair to him. Yep. That's not fair to him to just throw him back out a year or so removed. No, you, you can't do that. That's Come on, what are we really expecting? So we got on to this convo by talking about Porzingis and, and his uh, step forward in terms of his performance on the floor and, and being covered, uh, recovered uh, and comfortable now with the Dallas Mavericks. So if the playoffs started today, the Utah Jazz would be five, mm. Oklahoma City six, Dallas seven. Yes. Fun trio of teams there. Which of those three would you not want to face in the first round, even if you have Utah, home court advantage? Utah, uh, Oklahoma City, 
Dallas. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't like facing teams in the playoffs for the very reason that we talked about with Philadelphia 76ers. Unlike the Sixers, they have three excellent guards who can organize the game. Schroeder, Chris Paul, and this kid, Shea, who I think is a star. Special. I think that kid's a superstar. They have three guards who can organize the game. They create havoc with the dribble. They all have the ability to pass the ball, and they have bigs. They have bigs. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to just – And shooting. They have shooting. They have bigs. They have experience. That, that, that five-man unit of those three and guards they got with Adams and Gallo on the floor yeah. Gallo, so much fun. You know, Gallo can do some things. He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a nightmare, right? To match up. How do you you put big on him? You put little on him. He finds a way to to contribute in the game. He knows how to play. I don't want to play Oklahoma City Thunder the Thunder at all because the Thunder they have enough experience. They have a leader in Chris Paul. They have a superstar in that kid Shea, and this kid Schroeder is very capable of getting you thirty or more points off the bench. I might add. From that guard position, six man of the year candidate. I I, I don't sure. I don't I, that that team scares me. They scare me uh, as a first round team because I I I wouldn't be shocked if they got out of the first round this year because there's no pressure on them. I mean, there's no pressure for them to lose, and if they do lose, they're supposed to lose anyway. Of those teams, is it? And your answer could be Oklahoma City here too. But clips and nuggets from those teams. You know, they're, they're right now, Clippers and Nuggets vying for the two, three spots. Is there one of those groups that matches up really well with the Clippers and the Nuggets that you see of those lower seeds, whether it's Utah, Oklahoma City? Or I saw Dallas? Utah. I saw Utah early earlier in the season beat the uh, the Clippers, mm. and um, I really like. I really liked what I had saw. It was right after they had just made the trade with Jordan Clarkson and uh, Conley was out. And I really liked how they were playing because they were, you know, they had Jordan Clarkson, Emmanuel Moutier coming off the bench mm-hmm. who were, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger guards. And they had like this combination that really, because I, I asked the Clippers, like, what did y'all do against this combination? They had Emmanuel Moutier, Jordan Clarkson, and, and Donovan, Donovan Mitchell all together. All together. Mm. And Donovan Mitchell had a spectacular game. They were just playing with three guards and Rudy Gobert. And then you put you put uh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, you put Joe Ingle. And it was just, they were just playing. And it was the first time I thought, oh, wow. Their, their second unit gave them an entirely different look than their first unit. Their first unit is more control. They run plays. And then Jordan Clarkson gives them a different energy. And Moutier, and it just... It was a good counter to what they were doing, and Rudy can control and be the defensive anchor mm-hmm. in this chaos that they were playing in. And they went in and they beat the Clippers, and I thought they got my attention. I I like them early. Something something has happened there in Utah. I don't. Well, I can't. Mike Conley. And I'm and I, I'm a has, Mike. It, yeah. I, we're we're both Mike Conley guys. It just hasn't worked. It hasn't for whatever reason. It hasn't worked. Yet. I don't know what's and, going on. And yet. They're one game behind Houston for the four, two games behind Denver for the three, and three in the loss column behind the Clippers. So as as up and down as it's been for them, and they're right. thirty eight and twenty two as we record this, they're twenty one nine at home, seventeen and thirteen on the road. They're they've got to protect themselves from falling 
back as they're two ahead yes. of the Thunder and three ahead of Dallas, but they're right there. They're right in the thick of it. And if a few things break their way, they could get home court advantage in the first round. My gut tells me we're going to see Houston and Utah again in the playoffs. And we saw them last year. And the year before that, we saw Oklahoma and Utah, right. which was Donovan and Westbrook again going right. head to head. So um, I almost see that matchup for some reason as inevitable. But uh, Utah for anybody because of Donovan. Because of Gobert, I, I like I like because the, of the playoff experience that they've gathered the last two years, for better or worse, they're going to be I, dangerous. I I like I don't know if they're going to be dangerous. I like anytime you can have a rim protector, I'm concerned. I'm not sure about the depth of the team that you're going to need to play once you get to the playoffs with this group because I haven't seen the depth that they have coming off the bench this year, right? Um, I love Joe Ingles when he was always coming off the bench. Well, and now he's back on the bench. Yeah, he's yeah. now he's back on the and, bench. And they've been tinkering a bit. I mean, they're they're six and nine. And, I, and Mike what, just shot us this. They're six and nine in the last fifteen games. Yeah, so, so when you're when you're tinkering with twenty games left in the season yeah. with veterans, right? It's not like with young players. They're tinkering with veterans. So when you're tinkering with veterans, now you're just trying to find the right combination. It's not like. You know, you're looking for this young player to evolve and get him to evolve and get him experience. You're saying we're just trying to find the right balance of players because they know when you get to the playoffs, you got to go. You got to go at least eight, nine deep. Right. And right now. Something I'm not sure what it is, right, because you're looking at their team, you look at them on paper, you go, that's a good group. Right. You you got Conley, you got Donovan, you. You, you know, you 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 got Rudy Gobert as an All Star this year. Bogdanovich, you add Clarkson to the mix. Yeah, you got, and then we, you got a we like what Moutier has done. done. Royce O'Neal steps into the starting lineup at the three to guard That's the it. opposing team's best perimeter. Right. I mean, you like the it. Formula should work. And, and so, what's the problem? I, I this you don't know what the problem is. And uh, early on in the season, though, I mean, they went on like a seventeen. They started game. slow, then they got very hot. They got very hot, and then. I mean, you just got to say it. I mean, when Conley came back into the fold, something has not been right. Yep. Um, and for whatever reason, it hasn't worked for them. Um, but hopefully they'll get it together as they head into the playoffs. So the chess match of the decisions Quinn Snyder would have to make if they're playing the Rockets, if the Rockets are just going straight wings and guards – what you do with Rudy Gobert in that situation and how you defend uh, will be very, very interesting. And that as a pivot point, Russell Westbrook in his last 10 games, 33 and a half points and 56% from the floor. He's at 47% for the season field goal percentage, which is, uh, would be a career high. And Here's a great stat, and Mike, this is great stuff here. Average distance, BJ, of his field goal attempts is 10.3 feet, his lowest since 2010 <laughs> 11, which means he is no longer settling for those questionable 16 to 18 footers off the bounce. He's just going right to the paint and attacking the hell out of people. And 
what we've seen during this stretch, I mean, he kicked the crap out of the Celtics. He's kicking the crap out of everybody. Uh, ja Morant said of Westbrook, I still feel like he's disres- he's highly disrespected. People take his play for granted. What have you seen from Westbrook, and how has his game continued to evolve? You know, so when you look at some of these players, you know, you we you know I was I was looking at all the stats and listening to the stats and what you have here, and that's very impressive. When I watch a game, when I play the game. In all my time of being around the game, I've always tried to watch the game with my heart. Right? I've tried to watch the game. From what 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 are you willing to do, and how are you willing to play? Russell Westbrook, whether you're a Russell Westbrook fan or not, the man plays the game from his heart. Yep. Okay. Now let's start there. Okay. And, and with an edge. He plays the game. With his heart, and that and that's a that's a big statement, right? That's not, you know, you watch some players and you go, okay, oh man, they they're, they're clever, they they pick and choose their moments. Russell Westbrook doesn't pick and choose. Russell Westbrook shows up, and you know what you're getting. And when you play or you coach, you play against them, you play with them, you coach them. You better be prepared for what comes with that package. But what you were, what none of us can understand about him is you watch him and you go, God, I wish he would do this. I wish we'd do that. But none of us will question his intentions when he's out there playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had the, 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 the luxury of knowing this young man when he first came in the league. I worked with him. I worked with with two players when they first came in their rookie year, right? I had them every single day, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, right? I never imagined that one of them would be the MVP, let alone both of them. Okay, his rookie year, Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose, we had both of them here at Wasserman. I had the beautiful luxury of working with both of them. I never imagined that I would be working with two MVP guards in the same gym every single day, just us three working. Wow. Wow. Every day I Is there any tape? Yes, we have tape. Yes, we need tape. Every single day I worked with both of them. Every single day. And it was perhaps the greatest basketball experience I've had as a guard, because I'm biased to the guards. But watching those two work out, was I knew it was something different because of the athleticism that they brought to the position. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew there was something a little different about both because both of them could bring a physical, a physicality to the, to the experience that I had never seen before. Russell's heart that he brings to the court is undeniable. It's undeniable. And when you, when you, when you watch him play this year, the only difference I see with him this year as compared to years past when he was with Oklahoma is this is the first time that Russell has to conform to a system. Okay. I watched Jordan score 37 points 
on his individual talent one year. I watched the same Jordan conform to a triangle system and, and had to figure out how to play with the group. Russell Westbrook right now, what you're watching is now this is the first time he's played in a system. Which happens to be tailor-made for who he is and what he does. But well, it's, a, sure. it's, it's tailor-made for the way the game is played. There, look, the game is yes, – everybody for, in the league him, is playing the same way. For him, for him especially, though, but, the way they've opened up the floor – and the space he has to operate. The it's, emphasis, it's of, yeah, the emphasis of the difference between years past and where he's playing today is he, Mike D'Antoni has a system, right? His system has thrown out, think about this, Eric, three MVPs. Three MVPs. Back Nash, to back with Nash. Wow. And one Harden. with Harden. Yeah. Come on now, Eric. I'm just watching the game from a technical standpoint. Russell now has to play in a system and figure out how to implement into a system. That's all that's a different so when he gets there early, you go into a new system. I just gave you the example of when Cliff Livingston first came. It takes a little time when you have to implement into a system. This isn't like a play call. Three out is your play, two up is your my play four down is a single double action or whatever the action is. Now we have a system and the system always dictate where the ball is going to go. Now Russell has figured out the system and now he's playing and he's going. And Russell, for better or for worse, you got to live with the results. That's why I love him. I love him for that. That's why I always go back. I had an opportunity to work with both of them. And there's one thing I know about both of them. They're going to go full tilt. And when they win, lose, or draw, they're both going to say, I gave everything I had to the game. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say this about Russell and the Houston Rockets fans. There won't be an opportunity. There won't be any chance that Russell Westbrook is not going to go down without a fight. Russell is not going to compromise and say, coulda, woulda, shoulda at the end of the game. I should have took more shots. I should have did this. Russell Westbrook is going to go after that game in that moment. Yep. And all of this small ball, big ball, whatever it is you call it, Russell Westbrook is going to put his heart into whatever is going on. And he will make the adjustments and won't make an excuse and live with the results. I think that's the difference with him. And I, you're starting to see Russell personality on the team. Now. Oh, yeah. From center. You're starting he, to see. He's the, he's the, listen, as great of a player as James Harden is, the you're, personality you're was always a bit reserved. You're Westbrook's seeing the dominant personality. You're seeing Russell Westbrook's personality more and more into the team because Russell, that's who he is. Like, I'm telling you as an agent, I've never seen two players practice the way Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose did. I, I never. I, I can't imagine. I, it, it was when I tell you it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Just us three every day, just us three every single day in the gym, Eric. You're talking about basketball heaven. <laughs> yeah, and they were young. And oh, we, man. I, oh man, it was. Right, so it we're putting was, you on the spot. We got to find this tape. I got it. I got. I think got I got it? it. I think I got it. I think I got it right here in this drawer. I think I got it. No, seriously, okay. I got it. I got to convert it to 
because that's yeah. like 12 mini years DBs. ago. Mini DBs. We got yeah, I, 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 I have it here. Mike, take note, Mike. Yeah, I, note. I have the tape, and um, we should show it. I, I know I got pictures and stuff around here, but it was It'd be incredible. Oh, man, it was incredible. I can't even imagine. Amazing. And the way you're describing it, even more so. So final topic of the day. Um, and this is just funny because uh, unbeknownst to you, you were rumored to be a candidate for the Knicks president <laughs> job. Are so, we into the rumor business now? <laughs> Are we? No, segue, segue. So the Knicks announced Leon Rose, new president, on Monday. They then beat the Rockets at home. But all anyone wants to talk about <laughs> is they can't handle how to communicate with Spike Lee, which entrance he should and should not go into at the Garden anymore. He's only been going to games for 28 years and has given the organization millions and millions of dollars. So – there's a lot to work with here, including the Knicks. <laughs> incredibly, you're saying this with a smile on your face, a right? Big now. fat you, grin. You love this because I, if I could get Spike Lee to one day walk away from the Knicks, then my life as a, a, a Knicks hater will be complete. But all joking aside, you know the Knicks. You know they released this PR statement that he just couldn't stay quiet on, and then he goes on with Stephen A. Smith and, and shares his um, frustration, aggravation, and thoughts. Um, what are your thoughts on all of this? And from what you know about the league and Dolan and MSG, does any of this surprise you? Does any of this surprise me? No. In today's age, no. You know, this is like entertainment now, right? For sure. I mean, it, but it's, how are you that bad at your job that your most loyal fan, you can't communicate to him that you've made a change that's going to affect his experience well, at your this venue? Is, this is this is being on all of the sides that I have. I just I think I have a You went out of your way today to make sure I got up to your office right. as easy as possible. Yes. With today's game, I don't think there are any accidents. I don't think there are any accidents today, right? I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't think that whatever is being reported today, and that's one of the reasons I got in the media. That's right. That's a, that was my intrigue with the media. The one year that I worked at ESPN, I was very, very intrigued. Like, and I'm and I'm more so intrigued now because of social media and all of the things. I'm going to say this. I don't think there are any accidents. I think the way it was reported was reported because everyone's out trying to get in front of the story to write their narrative. All right. So there's, I think, you know, people say there's two sides to every story. I think there are three sides to every story. There's his side, it's their side, and then there's the truth. Now, I heard from the Knicks side, I heard from Spike side, and they didn't all line up. Something mm-hmm. wasn't right. Nope. Okay, I heard from, okay, we're on a platform where which was reported there that is a league, that's a partner of the league. So I have to believe that the league would could call or could interfere if need be. Could. I'm not saying they did or I'm not saying they didn't, but could. There's a possibility. And then I have to believe in a facility like Madison Square Garden 
there has to be a camera or cameras or somewhere that can show me exactly what happened. Sure. So, that's, but that's only part of it. Yeah, what, but my point is, is that whatever happened, happened. However, it was reported, was reported. And I think for the adults who I've gone into arenas thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I want to keep this moving because I refuse to give up the National Basketball Association just yet. I'm not caving into the National Basketball Entertainment League just yet. Mm. Just yet. So as an, as an adult fan, I'm just going to keep moving and watch the game because what I am going to talk about is that kid, R.J. Barrett, perhaps probably had his best game as a pro. That was a great win for the Knicks. Their young guys are playing better, right? They have a new hire. They're doing things. That was a great game against a really good team. And then I can't get sidetracked by something that didn't even, like, that's not my business. I'm going to stay in my lane, right? My whole life as an NBA player, I spent as a role player. So I'm going to play my role here. I'm going to let the people who are supposed to handle that handle it. I'm going to talk about the game. <laughs> That's what you and I are doing here. But I'm thoroughly disappointed that every single time I watch television or I hear a game, I'm hearing more and more entertainment than I'm actually hearing about basketball. Well said. And, then, and it goes back to what we've been saying for well over a year. Let's talk about what's going on uh, more so, so inside so. the lines than outside the lines of the court. It is. But when I do see Spike, I'm going to have some words, and I promise they will just be between Spike and I. And uh, But whatever happened, it was very unfortunate. But I, I want to keep the game here. And, that's, and, I, and when we first met, I said that was the reason we're doing this. And and it's hard for me not to have something to say. Sure. Because, you know, I always want to chime in. And right? you have a good history with him, Yeah, right? yeah. The Spike yeah. And, and the people there. I've known these people there for, for ages, right? I mean, Charles Oakley, I've been knowing him for 30 years. I've been, I know Spike. And when he was doing all the commercials with Michael, and I know these people, right? You know, I know the, the people there that they just hired. And I know the, the current general. So... It's just you're you know, intertwined. Yeah, I mean, on it's all just sides. yeah, it's especially just, when these things come up. It's, you, you, yeah, it's, it's like come on, like well, a it's the theme of what we want to concentrate on, and then it's b you have all of these relationships spanning three, four decades with people, right? Like, what are you going to chime in with? Yeah, you know. So, uh, but I'm gonna keep it moving, and. Uh, I guess on to the next one. Well, Mike has a great suggestion that we should find a, a weekly off-court topic to really annoy you <laughs> each show. So, well, that's fine. I, I, that's fine. It's like my life every day. Every day, I get annoyed with something as something. I get older, right? As I something. get as I get older, I I get annoyed more and more every day, and that's fine. I mean, it's just you know, every single day we talk about the entertainment part of this business now, and that's. That's where it's going. That's where it's headed. Uh, what are the players wearing? What are, you know, uh, what's their and, thoughts? And, 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 are, and it's funny. It's and it's 
obviously you and I getting together on this, this was born from uh, both our, our passions for the game and your incredible experiences on so many sides of it and, and me being fortunate enough to draw upon why I love basketball so much and infuse that in being a, a content creator, a producer, and a storyteller. And, and here we sit continuing to to knock out this show. So uh, I say that to say, you know, we're sitting here in March of 2020 now, and you've worn the front office hat, mm-hmm. you've worn the agency hat, you've been doing all different types of, of media that yeah. we continue to build and, and guest appearances. So as you're looking at the road ahead of you, where do you want to continue to take things? Well, in terms of your basketball journey. Well, I, I think, first of all, I think that's a great question. And, you know, the one thing when I first came into the business, it was, you know, it's a different business than it is today. And today's problems that I see in today's game is, is, is all based around inexperience, right? The players, what, what do I really expect from a 19-year-old kid? Like, you're 18, 19 years old. I throw you in the NBA. What do I really expect? Today's game and today's leadership, leadership today is of absolute necessity to win in this league or even have a chance. You know, winning, look, it, it, it takes some luck, takes some skill. It's a combination of a lot of things. But the one thing that's even more prevalent to me today than in yesteryear is the role of leadership because you have so many inexperienced people in key positions, mm-hmm. right? You have your best player suddenly is a, as a guy who went to school for one year. You know, your second best player is maybe a player who, you know, played maybe a couple years over in Lithuania or what have you, played abroad. Sometimes they didn't even go to school. Right. You know, you have, uh, you know, some of these kids never went to school. They just set out and then they get drafted. You know, you take a kid like like you take a kid, you know, that's playing right here for the Knicks. uh, Mitchell Robinson. Yep. Great example. Mitchell Robinson is a first tier talent in the NBA. He's a first. I mean. You watch him, you go, wow. So now what's the absolute necessity for that talent to reach its full potential is the is the leadership that's that's going to be needed from the top down right you know pat riley to me has been a great example of a of you know when i played against him and uh, as a player when he was at showtime later at the lakers then watch how he changed the way he played from the Laker team in Showtime up to the Knicks to the Knicks was a complete 180. Then goes down there to Miami. Then he goes to the front office. Then he comes back again and coaches again. Wins it. Wins it again. Then he goes back to the front office. His mentorship of Coach uh, Spolstra. Spolstra has been remarkable. And you can see how he's adapted over a length of time and has found ways to do this. But the leadership has always been there. He has been an example of me for excellence because of the way he's done it. He's coached Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then he coached Tim Hardaway, Patrick Ewing. Ewing. 
you know, Zoe, Zoe, Shaq, Wade. Yep. Okay. This isn't an accident. So the example of how to lead is right in front of us, but we continue to try to shortcut the process. Okay. Change is going to happen in this league, right? No one was prepared for, you know, when Steph Curry came in this league, we all saw Steph Curry at Davidson. No one was saying when he was at Davidson that this kid was going to make this impact in this game and, and really kind of make an impact on the game. That changed the seen. game. He changed Globally it. changed the game. No one saw this. But when you're watching, and I, and, I, and, I, and I say this about Pat Riley because he's always been the latest example, to watching him put together this team again in Miami. It's just amazing to me why we're not using him as a barometer of excellence on how to do it and change as the game changes, right? The leadership doesn't change. The players, how you play and all those things, that, that's going to change, you know. Jerry West has been another. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're linked for many reasons okay. through, through history. You know, watching him build a team where it was just power with Shaq. And then Kobe. And then he goes down there to Memphis and he goes with Gasol. And then he figures out when he goes to Golden State, we're going to play small ball. And then now watching what's going on there in the Clippers. To watch how these people continue to figure this out. While leading the same way. So with all that being said... You know, are there things, and I'm not, well, trying, to, I'm thing, not yeah. trying to put you on the well, spot, no, but the I, thing, I always know and there, and the, you talk to so many people yeah, every day the, from different aspects of the business, the industry, the game. What's running through your mind with well, what the, else you want to the, do? The thing is, is, and I say this is the one thing that I, because those are two of my favorite people in the business, two of my favorite, right? You know, um, because of their leadership, right? You know, leadership is just, just something that's it's just unique. Either you have it or you don't. When you're with them, you know that they're present, right? When you're talking to Pat Riley, like sometimes we'll talk for like two hours and we'll both get caught up and I'm just listening to him and I'm like, oh, coach, I got to go. Or I'm talking to Jerry West before a game and we'll get to talking. And the thing that I would want to do more than anything is now is to people tell you in this league what not to do, right? Everyone the coach tells you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But no one ever gives you an example on how to do it. No one ever tells you how to do it. I'm really intrigued now, probably at this stage of my career, is to work with young people to say, I know you don't know. There's no way for you to know. There's no way for a 19-year-old kid, let's take Zion. There's no way for him to know exactly what he needs to do. Right. He's just going out there playing on natural talent right now. Well, what I am intrigued with is, okay, can we equip these kids with the leadership that's necessary for them to be successful? Because we had an unfair advantage in our era because we all went to school for three, four years. Yep. Right? So watching Zion today. Completely different foundation. You have a different. So watching Zion today, I remember the player that walked onto the University of Iowa's campus as a freshman. And then I remember the guy who walked, who graduated as a senior, I was a totally different person. A totally, not a different player. I was a totally different person. So to know the value of that, 
how do we get these young people to understand that they have to have a skill set that's going to allow them as people to reach their to reach their true talent you can you can be a great talent but if the person doesn't evolve the player won't evolve and that is what i'm probably most intrigued more than anything because Pat Riley and, and 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 some of these people, they get it. They get it. I can't. I don't. I can't tell you exactly, but I just know it when I see it. Sure. They get it. They get it. They get it. And 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 what I got as a player, and I and I never want to forget it, is that when you know someone else understands you, there's a respect there, mm-hmm. right? Like when you. As a as a player, I, I I vividly remember every coach. My first day of practice, I made an assessment. Did this guy know what he was saying or not? And if I made the assessment he didn't know, I moved on. If I made an assessment that he did know, I bought in. Yeah. But it was no sales job. Right? Once I sat down with Chuck Daly and Hubie Brown and Phil Jackson. And Lenny Wilkins, if you weren't talking at that level, I moved on. Those were the people that were in my life. You had a you had a bar that was set, and you knew what needed to be matched. You're having those conversations. There's no going back below that. I had Johnny Bach and Tex Winners. I mean, Jerry West, Pat Riley. These were the coaches that I I knew, I knew in the business that would talk to us various times. That's what I saw. And then when someone came in that couldn't talk on that level, right? Hubie Brown would talk to me after games, after when he was on television. I mean, if you ever talk to Hubie Brown, he's a he's he's a savant. This guy is like favorite all time. This guy is like unreal. He's unreal. Okay. If I made an assessment after talking to him that you weren't on that level, there was nothing really for you to say because I had, you know, I had a exposure to this level of truth, right? And that was Bill Fitch. These were names that were just. You saw, you heard, you were around these people. You know what I mean? Now I couldn't go backwards. So that's my goal for them is the how do you expose them to that level of excellence, right? Like talking to Doc Rivers right now, you go, I get it. Steve Kerr, I get it. Greg Popovich, I get it. All right, that's not an accident, okay? That's... Rick Carlisle, I remember when he was an assistant coach for Chuck Daly. I get why he's that good. So what he's doing with Luka Doncic, that's not an accident. What he's doing with Przingis, that's not an accident. And that's where I'm probably most passionate is because now I want these young people to be able to have a relationship like that build those bridges those bonds those connections where you know like 
like yesterday, I, I didn't reach him, but you can reach out to call, to, to talk to Phil Jackson, like yeah. as a coach. You know, I miss, you know, talking to to the late Chuck Daly. I miss the I miss those conversations. I miss those conversations. You know, but the value that I had playing against those Pistons team because I saw a chess match like I've never seen before. And and that's forever with me. So, no, there's more that's going on than just playing the game. There's, like, things that are just invaluable to you, you know. I remember, it just just came to me, Jerry Sloan, when we played the Utah Jazz. Like, I remember the coaches just breaking, like, things, I was ready to play, but then I started seeing why and understanding why Carl Malone and John Stockton were just, were that good. They just, yeah, they were gifted they were talented but the things that jerry sloan was doing and his coaches that go now i was looking at it from a technical standpoint i go oh wow and him being an ex-bull and i remember seeing him and sitting will realize how good of a player oh man he was, he was an excellent competitor excellent the competitor the coaching and the detail that these guys had so being in that era and being with these basketball people at that level to me was like, I, I, I feel like it was an incredible blessing. Yeah. And that's what I, I think that's probably my last stop is to be able to like, everyone should have an opportunity to like communicate and talk and talk with people. And, and I'll end it here is, you know, as an NBA player, you know, you don't, you try not to get too high, you try not to get too low. And I remember one time the late uh, coach for North Carolina, uh, um, Dean Smith. Dean Smith. Dean Smith walked in our in our locker room, and the type of respect that he, because it was two players on our team that played at North Carolina for him was Michael Jordan and Scott Williams, and the the level of respect they had for him mm. was. It was like, wow, you know, it was like, and I got my first opportunity to sit down with him for an extended amount of time. Scott Williams invited me to his wedding and I happened, it was just him, Dean Smith and I were at the same table and I got a chance to spend like three hours with him. Wow. And then after that, I thought, now I understand why North Carolina is North Carolina. Basketball, the life, the wisdom that he was, it was like, it was like I was just in a I was a I was in a master's class. I was there at a wedding and we just sat there and talked for like three hours. And I thought, I get it. <laughs> like I get why these guys hold him in such a level. I get why he is that revered as a as a coach. And so that's probably my last stop is to help these guys. Hopefully they'll get a chance to spend time with those people because those people there, that's wisdom. And that you can't gain that in, in a book. You can't gain that in in a, in a class. You just, you know, you got to be around the people who've experienced yeah. it. Yeah, for all you've experienced and – have to pass along and your your demeanor and your willingness to give 
along with how you can connect to so many of those names, I think that's an incredible yeah. thing for you to be doing uh, during this, this next, next, just next connect, window of time. Yeah, so, just be able to connect those guys with those so let people. Me, let me know how I can sneak in the room for the conversations. <laughs> and you be with Eric. Well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but maybe part of it is igniting conversations like these and sharing the wisdom right. and sharing the experiences. I, I think there's a great value in that. And I've been so lucky because whether it's sitting like with someone such as yourself or years ago, watching Hubie Brown do clinics at St. Benedict's oh. in Newark or sitting with Paul Pierce yesterday for an hour and 45 minutes for all the smoke or these different interviews I've been able to right. do through filmmaking, you learn so much about these people and learn about their journeys and the passions and what makes them tick, but also learn that they're human and they want to help and they right. want to pass it on. And the fraternity and the brotherhood of basketball, of the National Basketball Association, is, is really special. And I think the biggest thing is, and obviously you're going to approach it the way you want to approach it, but making sure like nothing gets lost on this younger generation of how important this lineage and these relationships are. And I think that's very important because that's the only thing like athleticism and highlights and technology and all that stuff. Yeah. That'll help move the game forward. But without this stuff, without the core that you're yeah, talking that's... about, the game will be empty. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's something as simple as I, I, I remember like these very candid conversations I would, I would have with, David Stern, the late David mm -hmm. Stern. Now watching Adam Silver, knowing we started around around the same time when he was heading up NBA Entertainment. Yep. Those were the most valuable things that I cherish, right? That I, I like, I'm sitting here with the commissioner and he's helping me to understand the business of basketball. Right. This wasn't part of a program. This was all of a sudden. Here was this young kid from Detroit, went to school at Iowa. And now I. I get dropped off in the NBA. There's no class for this. There's no no one's, you know, well, let's work on your jump shot. Wait a minute. Here was someone that was giving me. The. Complete. Book for the business of basketball by the name of David Stern, just him and I. Just 20 minutes here, half hour there. How do you, how do you put a value on that? How do you put it? Unreal. So, you know, to watch all of this and watch the growth and to know that, you know, now I love it, you know, just, just like Adam Silver, he'll just check on me sometime and I'll just check, just, hey, how you doing? Like those are, that's the part of the business that I probably cherish the most is that I, I've watched these people grow in this business and they've watched me growing in this business. And I, and I, and I hope Adam doesn't mind me sharing this. I wrote him a, you know, just here, I just was thinking about how, who have I known in this business my entire career? And Adam Silver was one of the names. My entire career when I came in in 1989, he's one of the people that I've known my entire basketball career. Adam, Phil, MJ, Scotty. I was like, pretty good stuff. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and these are the people that I like. Like Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner 
of the Bulls I've known my entire career. And we just had dinner the other night. Not talking about anything other than how you doing? How are you doing, right? When you bought the team and here and how are you doing? So these are the things now that I cherish is that, God, I wish these kids will have an opportunity to have a relationship like that. Just a relationship where you're saying, you know what? <laughs> you know, where you're talking about Michael, like, it was so awesome that when they were doing this documentary that they got, the, you know, they're about to have come out. I got a call from Michael. I didn't get a call from some producer. I got a call from Michael saying, hey, I'm doing this documentary, The Last Dance, da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay. Wasn't a, what do you got going? Because that's the relationship that you have. And, yeah, the championships were great and all those things we talk about. But when you have real relationships with people that span over 30 years of time, then you begin to realize, you know what? That's what it's really all about. Good stuff. So, good closer. There you go. Great show, my man. All Glad right. to be back out here with you. Uh, Pure Hoops podcast. First week of March. Some some truly great stuff from BJ today. And uh, we'll be back next week. Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, the one and only editor, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops media family. As always, the Mike Wise Show coming at you each and every Monday with Tremendous guests. Some of Mike's recent guests have been Larry Brown, Mike Green, future Hall of Fame broadcaster. Be sure to stay tuned for the next list of guests on the Mike Wise Show coming at you each and every Monday. Also, Pure Hoops Media now has a show every day of the week. So besides the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday, the Mike Wise Show on Monday, we've got Full Court Press with John Fanta and Kim Adams taking you through the world of college basketball. March Madness is upon us, so be sure to catch those episodes. We've got Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin dropping Wednesdays. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with the one and only Monica McNutt on Thursdays. And, of course, BJ and I, Pure Hoops Podcast, each and every Friday. NBA playoffs are coming soon, so we're going to start doing look-aheads, matchups, contenders, pretenders, all the good stuff. Have a great weekend, everybody, and as always, stay pure. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.